Hello and welcome to this episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice. Our guest for this episode is Tatiana Galima. She's a Slovakian FIBA licensed coach and lecturer who also finished the FIBA FECC program as well as the ICAB program and has a PhD in basketball coaching. She's coached all over Europe, coaching in numerous countries such as Slovakia, Denmark, Austria, Czech Republic, Romania, Germany, and France. She's coached both men and women at different age categories and has also coached national teams in three countries in Slovakia, Austria, and Romania. She currently coaches in Constanza, Romania at the club level. I think you're going to learn a lot from Tatiana over the next few minutes, and I hope you enjoy. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice, and with me from Romania, uh, really a friend I just met oh, back in April or so. Uh, this year, um, a great international coach uh, who has incredible uh, background, not only within the sport of basketball, but also academically, and uh, just a, a great person to get to know. Her name's Tatiana Galava, and uh, Tatiana, welcome to this podcast. Uh, uh, we are excited to hear from you and uh so welcome hi tim uh thank you for inviting me and for having me actually uh it's a real pleasure and um let's start it i i'm really um we talk a little bit um with tim before and uh i have to say before we even start that actually it's pretty tough for me to speak like this because i'm kind of introverted person so we will try to get through this together <laughs> and hopefully it's going to be fun for a lot of people to listen. Oh, I'm sure it will be. And, you know, I was in speaking with Tatiana before we came on board uh, the call today, uh, the interview today. Uh, I said, man, you're, you're a whole lot like my late wife, Candy, and that, you know, this is a person we're talking to today is incredible. Has so many accolades, uh, much like my wife, late wife, Candy, and yet does not want the spotlight on herself and so uh i'm gonna do what i can to maybe shine the spotlight on you today so <laughs> thank you that's a big help well i can i can start to speak a little bit um sure so basically i'm a slovakian uh slovakian coach but as tim already said so yeah i'm coaching um elsewhere in europe let's say that will be the best description i think so basically, I could say that Europe is my home um, because even now I'm going to be in a few days, I'm going to be in Austria. So it's a lot of traveling connected with my job. Uh, sometimes my parents call me circusant. So, you know, to travel from one place to another. And I think there's a best description, basically. So, yeah, I'm coaching by basically I'm coaching basketball uh, five on five, but also three on three. So during the summer, I'm spending a lot of time outside, which I found actually pretty and uh, exciting because it's a nice change after spending the times in the gyms. And uh, yeah, 
I was uh, actually, I'm coming from a family, I have two older brothers, and I think uh, that uh, helped me to become who I am, you know, um, you get some, you get some first life lessons from them, I can say that way, but they would, on the other hand, they would also protect you, so I think that's um, what uh, you can see um, in my work until now. Um, I don't know. Uh, ask me. It will be easier than yeah, asking. Yeah, absolutely. It was a long sentence, so. Yeah, no, no, that's a good one. Uh, so what what's your hometown there in Slovakia? Mm -hmm. My hometown is actually Bratislava. This is the capital in Slovakia. It's a, it's a very small country in the middle of the Europe. Sometimes they say it's the heart of the Europe. So it used to be Czechoslovakia. So, yeah. Mm. From the beginning, yeah. I basically learned to speak two languages, but then slowly I start adding to it and it's making my life easier. So, yeah, well, my, my background or my family's background, uh, my family came from Czechoslovakia uh, to the United States uh, over 100 years ago now. And um, in my community where I live, grew up in, in, in South Alabama in the United States has a large Czech population. So, uh, so, you know, my grandparent, my grandfather spoke fluent, you know, uh, fluently. And, and so I would, uh, when he get upset, he just starts speaking and, you know, speaking in Czech. And I was like, you know, a lot of us would be like, whoa, what, what, you know, I, I couldn't understand a word he said, but that, I mean, there are a lot of people in the area that could, but I certainly couldn't as a little kid. But, um, so, You've obviously uh, done an awful lot through the years, um, starting all the way back in 1999 in your hometown. Uh, but what's your current position? Um, you probably have a, we, you have a number of things that you're doing, but what's your current position? Well, my current position is um, I'm working with the Austrian 3 on 3 national team, women and under 23. And after this is kind of like, let's, we can call it a summer job. And after I'll go back to Romania, where I was um, basically previous season, to a beautiful city of Constanza, which is on the seaside. So um, yeah, that's like the top of the world there for me because I'm coming from the middle of Europe. So you know, people always want to have what they don't have. So uh, yeah, I'll be back in Romania, and I will be coaching women. Um, because basically, as you said, yeah, I started to coach in 1999 and I um, grew basically from youth uh, teams, different age groups. I was coming to like older um, categories till the seniors. And I was coaching not only women on the women's side, but I was also involved with the men's side several times. And also that's the case of the previous season. Yeah, well, and... And looking at your your background, uh, you know, you certainly have uh, had the chance to be involved with in a number of countries there in Europe, whether it's Denmark, uh, your you know home country of Slovakia, uh, Austria, as you brought up, the Czech Republic, Romania, Germany, and France. I mean, that, and also working with uh, three of those countries' national teams. That, that had to have been a great honor, obviously, to work with your uh, home country's national team in 2013, but also working with Austria and Romania. You know, how did you get those opportunities? Well, funny enough, 
it's just like the opportunities come along. So if you're doing your job and you do it really with the full passion and heart, I believe you meet the right people in the right time and things happen. So if you, if you believe um, you have a goals, you believe in your dreams, which obviously I had, um, and being the national team coach was one of it, um, things just start to happen um, without me really searching for it. I just try to focus on the process of, of me doing my job correctly and the best I could and learning on the way. And then just good things happen on the way. That's how I would describe it. Yeah, no. And I, I do believe that I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times people look at the future and what they want to get to, but they don't really work in the present. Um, why is it important to do your best job now? Well, basically what we do right now is what we're going to be in the next, next period, next days, next month. So uh, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I meet a lot of people who have big dreams, but they don't put the, the effort into it and they don't have a clear vision of how to get where they want to get. So I think this is, this is the case um, for most of the people. Yeah, I would agree with that. And there are too many people, I believe, and I've, I've had the issues in the past where I've looked too far ahead and didn't focus on the present, which is a gift, honestly, to have this present moment, uh, to be able to do what we do. Now, let's take it back just a little bit, okay? So let's take it back to growing up there in Bratislava. And I mean, how did you get your start in sport? I mean, did you play a lot of different sports? Was basketball the first sport you got involved in? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, pretty much I started with basketball because I'm, I'm becoming from a basketball family. So my mom and my godmother, actually, they were really, really famous basketball players in Czechoslovakia. My godmother was uh, the best player over three years in the whole country. They played for the national team and everything. So I had a background, which basically, uh, we can say, opened the doors for me. But I did not like it when I was younger. So I actually tried to stay away from it because I felt that uh, some of the doors were open just because of this legacy. And I didn't want that. I wanted to prove that whatever I have is because my own work and what I did. I don't know if you understand what I mean, but... That's really one thing which was bothering me. So I tried to like kind of hide um, this. And, but you know, basketball is a, it's a small world. So you keep running into the people who know one and, and so on and so on. So yeah, that was my start. So yeah. And me. yeah, well, and I was going to bring that. I mean, I do think that it is easy to get in a place where, I mean, you wanted your own identity. That would be my guess in, in what you're saying. And uh, I, I know that when people have a lot of skill, uh, it's, it's in are very humble, like you are, by the way. Uh, and I've, I live with it with my wife, Candy, for, you know, over 27 years and seeing how incredibly skilled she was, but trying to not, you know, want the the attention on her right but in the case like what you're talking about having a family member who's one of the best players in in over a three-year period in your country i mean you know at the time that, i think that's that's a lot of pressure but i wanted to ask um you know as this uh podcast topic is in 
is holding the ladder, the, at least the title is. When you look back to those years, I mean, who are some people that have held the ladder for you, whether that's at the beginning or all the way through your career? Who, who's held the ladder for you to, great, to climb to great success? Well, I would say it will be the people I met on the way. So, yeah, I was very lucky that basically I came into the basketball family. So I had the support from the beginning from my parents. They would never push me to do it, but it was kind of, I, I just started to play basketball when I was, I think, at age of seven because uh, a former teammate of my mom was a coach. So they brought me there. It was more like a, we did also gymnastic and different kind of sports chasing because I was way too young. But uh, it was just a natural process for me. And uh, because um, obviously my mom had the connections, I would be running into good coaches or people working basketball. So that helped me from the very beginning because I had really good teachers around me from the beginning. And yeah. I think that's, that's a big thing that if you, if you get early, really good teachers, it prepares you for the life. And then I would be just going through the life. And um, as I said, I will be running into the, into the, for example, teachers in my school. So I studied at a sports faculty, uh, physical education and sports, and it was basketball. So I will be meeting people there and uh, they would like give me hints and help me to improve myself. And then further on will be, for example, uh, I, I see Maltai, who is uh, a teacher at the FECC. She's a mental coach. And I really think a, a mental uh, part of the game is really neglected, especially in Europe which for me is super important. So I will be looking not only for the technical and tactical kind of teachers, but also like on the other side. And I mean, there was a lot of people on the way who helped me and it will be really hard to, to name just few of them like I did. So I think it's just like a circle, you know, and, and you run into one person and that leads you to the next person and so on. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I know that, uh, and that's so true. You know, I, I can, I can uh, state this for folks listening that Tatiana and I met in Dublin, Ireland back in, yeah. uh, in April and uh, where we were both going to be, well, she was presenting uh, at a, at a uh, clinic and then I was going to be presenting the next day in Killarney in the South of Ireland, South uh, uh, West of Ireland. And it was just great to be able to connect with her. And uh, she and I have a, a love of defense uh, on the, the basket, on the basketball yeah. side of things. And uh, as far as our coaching, and I do believe that it is a small, it's a small circle uh, within the sport itself. And a lot of folks don't really completely understand that who are outside of it. I mean, you know, who would, have, who would have ever thought some guy that lives in West Fargo, North Dakota would meet someone who's uh, originally from Slovakia, who coaches all over Europe and stuff. Uh, so I think it was really cool to, to be able to meet you. Um, now, I want to bring up a couple other things here um, before I go to the next uh, question. But one other thing I wanted to bring up was, OK, so Tatiana like me has a doctoral degree okay so but her doctoral degree is in 
basketball coaching and sport. So tell, tell the audience a little bit about that. Cause I can tell you right now, if I could have gotten a doctoral degree in basketball coaching, boy, howdy, that would have been pretty darn cool. I think a lot of people would take that route. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, it was just a part of my education. So it was the next step in my education. We are lucky enough that we have, um, I I believe we really used to have a good system for uh, teaching basically the coaches how to become the real teachers. So you could study basically, or still can study basketball at the sports faculties. It's connected also with the other sports. We get to touch on uh, a lot of things uh, connected with the teaching as well, like a methodology and um, uh, other sports like athletics and gymnastics and a bit of pieces from everything, which you can then build in your own philosophy and improvement of the players, especially when coaches working with the younger ones. And um, getting a PhD uh, was just the next step for me in it. And basically it was just uh, expanding the knowledge on the things I learned earlier. And um, put it in a simple way, I just had to write a work, uh, read a little bit (laughs) about basketball, which I love anyway. So it was, I think I was pretty blessed to do this. Oh yeah, well, what was your uh, dissertation on? My dissertation was actually on a one-year cycle for the, whew, I don't actually remember the exact, uh, now you got me, a one-year cycle for uh, youth basketball players. Hmm. And it yeah. was connected with development of the skills. Now you really got me. I did not, yeah. <laughs> I did not expect this question to come up. <laughs> Well, dissertations are hard to remember, man. Oh. I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't name the actual title of mine. I can tell you a little bit about the the actual, okay. uh, yeah. But yeah. but like the the thing is, going through that challenge, and I work with doctoral students every day who are working on doctoral projects or dissertations, and it's not easy. It takes an awful lot of discipline. Uh, how did you discipline yourself to get through that? Um. Well, I think this is something what I just learned when I was little, you know, like growing with two older brothers, like sometimes you had to, I had to clean uh, after them, you know, like when friends expect to come home and sometimes they give things for the kids to do, you know, like to help around the house. Well, you know how it is with two older brothers, they would leave it on me. So I think I just learned how to really use the time correctly, which with the age, actually, I think it's getting a little bit worse. But uh, it was not such a big deal, really, because I really love to to learn more and to study. And basically, it was connected to coaching the youth teams, which I had back then. So it was, I don't think it was that hard for me. Actually, when I look at it now, for sure, back then it was. But, you know, when you're looking backwards at some of the things, it's like, man, that was easy. <laughs> well, I, I would say that, uh, you know what? I think when you're going through something like that, and like in the United States, only four and a half percent of Americans have yeah. a doctoral degree. But like when you look when you look back on that and you say, OK, boy, it doesn't seem that hard now. Yeah. But then, you know, you, you look at back in that time, it was. Yeah, you know, yeah you're yeah. having to Definitely figure out. Like- oh, yeah. <laughs> Completely blowing up your mind and stuff. Um, and again, I want to bring something else up and and. It's regarding the FECC program within FIBA. So for anyone that's listening that uh, isn't a basketball person, and of course we have a lot of basketball listeners, but FIBA is the international governing body of the sport of basketball. And uh, the, uh, tell us a little bit about the FECC program. 
so this is a program which FIBA launched for the youth coaches, basically to put them together and to actually expand. Um, one thing is to expand the knowledge they have because it's a program which is it runs over three years, three summers, where um, we gathered together. It was um, like over sixty coaches. And we went to watch, um, basically, we went to watch uh, under 16, under 18, and under 20 championship, European championship. And on the same time, we were having um, a clinics, coaching clinics with uh, one of the best coaches in Europe, or sometimes even guests from other other parts in Europe. And uh, it's expanding, so the, the knowledge and also the circle of the people you know, which I think is really incredible. And basically that's how we met because we met through a friend uh, coach who was studying with me. And uh, especially I think for a person like me, it was really great because as I said, like I'm not, uh, you have coaches which really like to go out and talk to the other coaches and that's definitely not my case. So for me, it was really helpful to actually, to have the chance to be with them. So I had no chance to like run away from it. And that, uh, that was really great for me, so. Yeah, well, and not only was she part of the FECC program, but she was the top of her class in the FECC program. And she's going, oh, don't say that, Tim. Don't say that. I don't want the credit, but it's true. And uh, that's a big deal because you had many, how many people, and, and, and to get an FECC, uh, FECC appointment, you have to be, um nominated by your federation is that correct yeah that's correct each federation can um send maximum two people two coaches which uh usually you have to go through um test or each federation can um have their own um testing how who they want to send and uh, it was not only for the European coaches, actually, uh, from the class where I was in. So it was 2013, 2015, because as I said, it's going over three years. And we already had people from Canada or um, Asia. So it was really great. And it's still expanding. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's and that's great to know. And I mean, I know you've also uh done a little bit of work in the united states with an apprenticeship that you had with uh university of north carolina at chapel hill tell us a little bit about that well that was uh, basically um a very lucky coincidence how i how i got there because i was not actually nominated with my own federation back then i was working with the austrian national team three on three and it happened that at the same time I could apply at, uh, as uh, one of the persons who finished FECC for, for this. And I did, and basically they chose me for Austria. So it was very funny coming to US and I, everybody was sure that I am actually representative of Austria. And I was like, well, actually I am from Slovakia. So, you know, already back then it started for me that I kind of, I, I like to say I'm more like European than, you know, any other thing. Cause uh, yeah. <laughs> right now, you know, people would say a lot that I'm Romanian and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not, but okay. So that's how it's easier to go this way. So yeah, uh, it, well, it was a great experience to make it to US. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I, and I, because of your having so many experiences, obviously that's probably helped you be able to, uh, 
I mean, you've coached men and women, boys and girls uh, at different levels. And of course, in your current job, because of the challenges you faced, I'm sure that the experiences that you had have helped you with that. So let tell me, what are some of the biggest challenges you face in day to day in what you do in your job? Um, probably the biggest is that we can still say, I don't know um, how it is in, in US exactly. Uh, I just know it from articles or some numbers I'm looking it up. But in Europe, it's a big time men's world. So being a woman in the men's world um, is sometimes very tough because there is a lot of prejudices about uh, this job is not for women. Um, it's too tough and, and so on, all those things. Um, I don't think I need to continue with it. And then you have basically the same from the players because a lot of players would think that just because you're a woman, you don't, you can't know basketball. So that will be one of the biggest challenges um, which I find uh, in day-to-day work that you have to actually show them that uh, you have to earn the trust that you know what you're doing. So I think that this this will be the biggest probably. Yeah, I would say uh, I, I would agree with you that it is a major challenge. It's a challenge here in the United States that women have to do more to gain respect, which I've never quite understood. Um, I believe one of the greatest basketball coaches potentially ever is Pat Summit uh, mm-hmm. from the University of Tennessee and in, in the national team here. And I always have found it interesting when someone looks at gender and sa- at someone's gender and says, right, you're not as good because you're a woman. To me, it, it there's no uh, logical reasoning there. And that always kind of gets me a little bit uh, upset because I, you know, obviously in my time watching you in the Dublin clinic, I, I got stuff that I took away from it that was just, wow, this is great. And, you know, many of the coaches in Ireland, such as Maeve Coleman, who is a good friend of mine, who I consider to be the Pat Summit of Irish basketball, you know, I've learned so much from her and she's always been like, oh, no, I've, you know, what can I teach you? I said, you could teach me a lot because uh, when we get to the point where we aren't willing to learn anymore, then we're just done. Like, and I, I'm just not, that's not my uh, way of looking at life. And, but I could, I appreciate you sharing that. And we've had many women guests, uh, on our podcast, but that's never truly, it's been up, it's brought up a couple of times, but not in the same way that you did. So I appreciate you uh, bringing that up. Um, So you've been doing this since 1999, you know, we're talking 23 years and you've been all over Europe, uh, you know, done a little bit of stuff here in the United States. You've coached uh, at varied levels, uh, I'll bring up the Olympic stuff in a second. I, I promise to hold off until a little bit later on that. Uh, but what skills do you consider to be essential for success as a sports professional? I'm mean, talking as, as a coach or an administration or any area of sport. What are just, what's one or two skills that you can consider to be essential for success? I think people skills. So to be able to reach and understand people and to be able to transfer the message you have, either the knowledge or, or support, motivation, but to be really able to transfer it to the people you're working with. And I don't know if you can call it skills, but I would say resilience. Hmm. 
perseverance. And then, as you said, um, to be eager to keep learning and do not get to the point when it's like, oh yeah, I know it all and that's it. I think that's, that's when it all stops because I think we keep growing and we can grow until the limits we set up for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So basically the interaction and working with people uh, can be also part of our growing as long as we keep open mind and we are willing to still sell the new information, new things and, and just improve ourselves because then we can improve the others, I believe. I agree, especially all those things are great things that uh, are necessary for success in this industry. The learning part, the one thing I, I don't understand is when someone doesn't want to continue learning in this day and age with YouTube and all the different educational platforms, the things that are out there online, you can learn for free, uh, just going to your smartphone, watching video. Uh, you know, we all met Drew Hanlon in uh, Dublin and in Killarney, and his ability to teach, I thought he did an exceptional job in teaching uh, what he was teaching. But the things that he was teaching, you can go to a YouTube channel and watch. I mean, that's, you go back to 1999, uh, YouTube, what, did that, what was yeah, that? It was much harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, it was much harder. <laughs> But what I think actually now was the problem now is to, to learn which informations are important and which are valid for you or which you should take. Because I think now we so much overload with information, but some of the information are really just taking our time. And it's a lost time basically to looking at it or trying to, to work with it. So I think more of the challenge for this period is to look for the, the information which are really needed. Oh. Yeah, I uh, vetting is very important. And I, I do agree with that. Because, like you said, I mean, there are so many sources of information, there's so many things that, you know, I, I could watch videos. I mean, you can get on Twitter and find basketball plays, and mm -hmm. defensive uh, videos and drills and everything else. It's being able to understand how to sort that information because we're completely inundated with it these days. Whereas when you got started in 1999 and when I got started in earnest in like 1988, um, when I was a college freshman, you know, it was books. I still have a, I still have tubs of books in my basement from, and on my, and, and if I don't have them in the basement or in the uh, tubs, I have them on my bookshelves downstairs in my basement of that, that were seminal sources for me to get into this industry. And yeah. uh, it's completely changed. It really has. Uh, so I appreciate you bringing that up. Okay. So, you know, you talked about the people skills side. Uh, so I bring up networking um as the next uh, question how important is it in this field and how do you approach it oh well i think it's super important and it can open a lot of doors for you um because i think what is important is to have um a good name so if you um basically if your work sells you i think it can open a lot of doors for you 
at least this this is what works for me because I'm not a person who will go, as I said before, so I'm not the person who will go and, and just talk to people because it's just not my nature. And I think it's much easier actually for, for this kind of people who can sell themselves. For me, I rather go for the for the part that I, I rather prefer my work selling me just because it's it's who I am. And um, I also think it's somehow connected with the with the uh, self self uh, uh, self uh, trust or like um, yeah. uh, assurance, which uh, I'm sure for a lot of women, okay, I'm sure it's one of the subjects is, which is not talked about, but uh, we do miss it. We we miss it compared to the guys. That's what I learned the most from like the biggest difference between the women and the men is that the guys would walk into the room and you know, they might know something about 60%, like about the subject, but they will walk in and they will be like, oh, I'm the king of this room. I know everything, you know, while women, if they enter the room and they, they learn and they know it probably like 99.9%, they will be like, ah, oh, I'm not going to raise my hand. If somebody has a question, I might be wrong. So I think this is like one of the, one of the things which, which is a big in, especially in basketball, because you need people who are self-assured about what they're doing. So I yeah. know I jump away from what we talk about, but um, yeah. No, 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 no. I think, I, let, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I think, you know, you have people who can just walk into the room, get all the attention and be like, hey, okay, look, I know this, 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 and this is what I did. And, you know, and just talk and just tell themselves this way. And then, um, yeah, self-networking for me was super hard. And it's the one thing which what I said I'm going to work on. And actually I manage this this year a little bit more to work on it that's why also that was the part why i wanted to to go to ireland where we met because i was like okay look i need to go and i need to meet new people and i really need to start working with this because i see the importance of it it's just that really i i have to get out of my comfort zone so yeah well and and i self-concept and self-efficacy are big things and i i know for me even you know, you just spoke about me and, you know, I, I could go into like even going to Killarney and you know, I put the headset on. I'm like, let's go. And I I could have spoken for another 30 minutes with no problem whatsoever at all. In fact, I would have loved to have spoken 30 more minutes. Uh, but, yeah, believe me. yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I think that I agree with you when it comes to the networking side. Ultimately, it comes down to the job you do is your calling card. Many times people squawk like mm -hmm. me, uh, but I also can back it up with the work that I've done, I believe. Um, but I, I think that personality matters too, because we have to be true to what our God-given personality is. You know, I keep bringing up my late wife, Candy, but she had a similar personality. She was very, she was introverted, but she could be extroverted when she needed to be. And she was very much about, I want to hear what others have to say first. And then I can, it informs me to be able to potentially provide something to the conversation. It's of great value as opposed to just, you know, as some people over here would say, word vomiting, bleh, you know, where you just, saying something and it's like what is this about i have this doesn't even make any sense to our conversation uh in in situations like that i think that's something that is is valuable and 
I know some of the some of the best leaders I ever coached. Uh, one of the best was a guy named Tanner Prosser at Grove City College in, in NCAA Division Three in Pennsylvania when I was an assistant, and he didn't speak with words as much as he spoke with actions and work ethic and the job he did. And now he's a very successful high school athletic director and and championship coach in in Pennsylvania at the high school level. So I appreciate you bringing that uh, up. Um, Well, I would, I would say to that, you know, I believe to basically what you said, if, if you listen to the others, you have a chance to learn something new. While if you just speak yourself, you know, you just, you just not going to able, you're not going to able to listen to the others because you don't give them the chance. So that's why uh, for me, actually, I am um, very similar to what you described. I, I like to actually enter and first listen what the people have to say, because I believe you can learn from anyone. So either you learn how to do things or not to do things in the worst case, right? So yeah, uh, I believe really it's it's always better to to listen because it's going to bring something to you. So that will be the thing. But networking, before we jump to the other subject, I, I noticed that when I was in the U.S. that how important actually it is and how well it works for you. Because uh, as I was in the UNC, I could tell it was it was really from the start. So basically I was in Delaware first. Uh, with Matt Robinson, who is doing a great job actually with the program he's basically doing for the other coaches, uh, either basketball or they have another course for all the all the different uh, sports coaches. And basically, he would send in the coaches who would enter the program to other schools, and it would be always some kind of connection would have. So, for example, I got to UNC where Jason Belieu, I believe I'm saying correctly the names, I because I'm not really good with uh, with this. So he would have the connection, either it was a former student of his or they met somewhere and this will be the connection for him. So I think, especially in the school system you have in US and the whole system, it really works. That's where I see how, how well it works. I try to figure out if you have something like that in Europe because I like to sometimes compare the different systems. And I think it's also something like that here, but in Europe, uh, um, in basketball, a big role is played by agents, which um, you don't have it just after the school. I believe they step into the game much more. And I believe that's the connection we have here. So they are the people who connect, you know, like uh, they know the directors of the clubs and to, 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 and they do the connection. So I think this is, this is the main difference between your system and our system. Yeah, no, and I, I do think that it is, you know, that was one of my big things when I came to Ireland the first time uh, seven years ago, coming up next month, was looking at how different things were over there in comparison to what we faced here. Like, you know, they play each sport pretty much all year. You know, they all the sports, soccer and Gaelic football and hurling and rugby and basketball and everything kind of run together and so it makes it kind of difficult Uh, here we have different seasons of the year where the sports are played and so it gives people better chances to be perhaps more balanced and that's not an indictment against uh, the system of it it's just it is different and that was one of the big uh things that candy and i noticed when we went over there is that wow 
they just play all these things all year long. And I was like, man, that's very interesting to me. Uh, but I do think that your take on the networking side is, is critical because I think we need to be true to who we are. You know, that was one thing with Candy. I, you know, she was true to who she was for her whole life. And uh, I think that, you know, when people are able to do that, then they can and by the way, God gave us two ears and one mouth, and we should use what he gave us the most of. And of course, uh, okay. I've gotten better at that over the last, uh, you know, really because of candy over the last uh, 25 years. So um, so what's one piece of advice that you give to someone who's deciding to start a career in sport or in anything with, related to sport? I mean, you know, say somebody that's a young person like you were in 1999. I mean, what's one piece of advice? Um, I would say look for your own goals and have your own dreams and do not try to compare with anybody else. We all have our own unique ways and the thing is going to come to us at the right moment and the right is going to come in the moment if we follow our own path, if you are not trying to be uh, someone else or fit into someone else's path. And connectivity will be just try to improve yourself as much as you can, because then if you are full, you can give the others. So that will be I love that. for me. Well, I am so appreciative of what you brought up because it kind of, it is in many ways what holding the ladder is all about and trying to help people climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible if you're not prepared and you're not learned and you're not knowledgeable in something or you're not great in knowing, you know, not that everyone has to know many people, I get it. But if you don't have connections, if you don't have the knowledge you need, then how can you necessarily, you, know, you can help people, but you want to be able to help them get to the very best level they can get to. And that's what's so cool is that, you know, you, I learned something from you in Dublin and hopefully you learned something from my session in Killarney and even just bits and pieces make a huge difference in how a person can make a difference overall with the folks that they're trying to impact. Do you agree with that? I do agree. I do agree. I, I think a big part of it is that we own, uh, each of us has our own sparkle. And mm -hmm. I believe we as a coaches should uh, learn uh, how to make this sparkle grow in the others, help them find it and help them fire it up. I think that's, that's the biggest, uh, at least for me as a coach, that's the biggest thing to, to look for this in each person. So, Oh man, that's so powerful. Seriously. Uh, so, so powerful. Um, before I go to the last question, I'm going to ask two more quick ones, okay? Uh, one, I, you know, you played for Slovakia in the, in the national program. What was that like to represent your country as a player? Uh, it, was, it was the greatest feeling ever, I have to say. I was very young. Uh, I, I used to play with the older players all the time because uh, I was luckily gifted from what I so people would say, as I said, like that I would have the athleticism after my mom. And I, I would have the, the basketball head, the IQ of my godmother. So I was very lucky, but unfortunately, I got also hurt very early 
playing for the national team, but it was one of the greatest thing. And um, I'm actually a big patriot. Um, it's not so visible for some people, but if people are around me, they quickly find out that. And uh, yeah, it's the greatest thing ever. And I think it should be the goal for, for any athlete and especially me working with, uh, with uh, players here in Europe that's, oops, sorry. That's my, that's my, yeah, yeah, no that's problem. <laughs> um, so my protectors. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I believe that uh, that should be the, the highest, highest goal to represent your own country because it's, it's the most beautiful feeling ever, I think, uh, which athletes can get. Yeah. I, I know for me, being a kid who grew up poor in South Alabama in the United States, and to be in a position where I have a leadership role within the Irish national program of all places. Uh, you know, when I hear the Irish national anthem played before our games, like even today, you know, our under 20 men beat Bulgaria today in a big upset and the, uh, and the Euros to hear that national anthem, I I've taken it on as my own in many ways and it's such a great honor because not everyone gets that chance. So, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, the next thing <laughs> I, I said, I wasn't going to, I was going to wait till later. <clears throat> Tell us about your Olympic experience. Oh yeah. Well, that, that was definitely a dream uh, come true. Cause I um, just lately, I found uh, an old message um, back then when we were still writing uh, messages or you know before all the mobile and everything came in social networking and uh, actually i said it was in 2001 when already the internet was starting back then here and i said in the message that that will be my friend is asking me so what is your dream you know like as a as a coach and i said uh, to go to the olympic games and it was very funny that i found it just lately and it was uh, it was a strange feeling to looking at it you know when you realize actually hey this this is all along with me you know because Sometimes we forget, like we set up the goals or dreams we have, but we kind of forget it because this was one of the things I would never believe it would happen to me. And yeah. it was very strange also how it happened. So as you said, the things sometimes are not planned. They just come. So once again, I was super blessed in this because actually I got to the Olympics with uh, Romania, but I made it there because previously I worked with Austria. So it's really crazy. And it was, it was, amazing and unbelievable when actually um, we found out that we're going to represent Romania at the Olympics in the three on three. And that was, I, I can't describe it. It was really unbelievable. Yeah. And that was in the London games, correct? Uh, no, no, it was now in, now in Tokyo. Oh, Tokyo. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that that's, I mean, that's just amazing. And I, you know, I can't even to have that, opportunity again kind of like in my case you know you're doing it with a, 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 a adopted country i suppose where you live now but um uh, i just think it's wonderful to be able i would i would give my left arm to have a chance to march in the in the opening ceremony and and to be able to just uh, wear the colors you know i think that that would just of, of my country united states of america i, I think many people would be more than happy to do it but it takes having that having it to get that chance uh and a lot of people would say a little bit of stroke of uh 
uh, I don't know if love, luck exists, uh, blessing, you know, and uh, I, so thank you for sharing that. I, I had to put you on, I had to make you a little uncomfortable and tell people that you were in the Olympics. <laughs> as an thank you. you might have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So our final question, it's been a wonderful interview. So how do you hold the ladder for others? You know, people have held the ladder for you through the years. How do you hold the ladder for others? Well, I'm basically, I'm trying to help. So I'm trying to really open the doors for the others. When, so when they come to ask me, for example, there are coaches who would come ask me how they should do something or if I can help them with something. If it's in my power, I will always try to. And I will try to actually make them better than they are. So uh, I would give them hints. I will tell them, for example, where to look. I don't want necessarily them to tell them what to look at exactly, but where to look for the things. Because I think it's important that they will learn their their own, like, you know, looking at the same subject, it's going to be different perception for you than for me. But I will tell you, hey, focus your attention on this, maybe. And that's the, where you're going to find the answers, you know, without telling you what the answers are. Because I believe um, we all are very unique and we should look for for their own ways. And I would describe it basically, um, I, I used to like to use a, a metaphor with kids playing on the, on the sandy playground. Uh, so we, we have that a lot, you know, and you have a lot of kids who would just play with their, with their own sand and they would not like to share with the others. When they have the toys, they just play with them and they don't want to give it to the others. But if you really want to build a beautiful castle, for example, if more kids gonna join in, you know, you can build it bigger and usually it looks better. So, and it's, and it's more joyful. So I think this is how we should be as a, as the coaches. Of course, sometimes a lot of coaches are afraid that if I'm going to share with you what I know or my tricks, tips, whatever, uh, you're going to get better than me, you know, but I think we shouldn't be fear. We shouldn't have fear of this because then I need to get better again. So I believe it's like, because I'm helping the others it will give me something in the return. Either I will need to work on myself or I'm going to get it somewhere else. So it's just kind of sharing. And I believe that's, that's how I'm trying to hold the letters for the artist, to sharing. And as I said before, to, to make them find their own sparkle. Yeah, I love that word. That, uh, it, it's, uh, it's an important word to me, uh, honestly. Um, and I, I think that there's that old saying that uh, higher a higher tide raises all boats. Mm -hmm. yes. And, you time. know, too many people have this. That, well, I think one of our big challenges here, Tatiana, in the United States is we've got a uh, take somebody's head off approach to competition as opposed to a, uh, a appreciation for competition, because without somebody suiting up on the other team you don't have a chance to even compete or play a game in basketball for instance i know because that's important to me i've really gained i think i learned a lot as far as respect factor when it comes to that by coming to ireland seven years ago for the first time and also playing masters basketball and getting knocked on my rear end but somebody coming right over to me and putting their hand out and picking me up from the other team i think a lot of my compatriots here my my friends here in the united states would be like oh gosh you can't allow the other person from the other team to help you up I mean, why not i mean we're all competing for greatness yes we want to beat the other team 
I want everybody to understand, you know, I'm coaching or Tatiana's coaching. We're out to win the game, but I think respect, it matters. And so I appreciate that you're doing that and um, in everything you do, because you're very uh, spread out, but you do a lot of things. So what do you, what, what would you like to add? Uh, yeah, I would like to say with this, I believe, you know, that basically in the competition, yes, we are competing against each other. But basically, by your greatness, you make me show my greatness, you know, and it's exactly as you said, it's just about the mutual respect. So yeah. I think that that's what uh, should be in the sports, what should be like, you know, uh, yes, it's only one winner in the game, but you can lose with the pride because, you know, the opponents were better. So you, you basically going to learn what you need to work on, you know, so uh, that's, I think, yeah, that's for me coaching. Basically, this is for me coaching. Yeah. And success truly is about giving your best effort. This is John Wooden's, uh, and that's paraphrasing his, his, uh, his definition of success pretty much is, you know, basically if you give your best effort, that's all you can do. And you leave it between the lines or, uh, like me and my running out on a rate on a course, if I'm out running, even if I stick it up, uh, if I've given my best effort, or even if I do well, if I give my best effort, then, then I have done what I can. And I believe that if we leave everything out there, we have a chance for greatness in this world. And look, I'm a kid who grew up poor in, in South Alabama. A lot of people didn't think I was ever going to amount to anything. And, uh, you know, I suppose most people would say I've done okay. Uh, but like, I think that that's one of the most important things I agree when it comes to the ladder holding side. And uh, thank you for sharing that. Tatiana, it's been a honor and a pleasure to be able to speak with you today and uh, learn more about you, of course, and, and about your thoughts on things. And uh, how would you like to close the podcast today? Well, I have to say thank you. It was a real pleasure for me. And uh, it was actually fun, as you promised me uh to talk and uh for me it was really special because as i said i got out of my comfort zone so uh thank you that's all i oh. can say once well, again it was great to, to see you at least like this again yeah no no absolutely and i can't wait to get on zoom sometime and chat some defensive stuff with you uh, obviously we've been wanting to do that so i know we're both very busy well uh tatiana galova uh a Galava, sorry. I appreciate you uh, coming on and being um, just a, a great guest. You've done a remarkable job in what you've done in your life and your career. You've uh, achieved greatness, and I'm so looking forward to continue success and following your uh, path. So thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was you my bet. pleasure. You bet. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you in our next episode of the Holding a Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I would challenge you over the next uh, few days to go out and hold a ladder for someone to help them climb to greater success. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, and until our next episode, I challenge you to hold a ladder for someone to climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible. Mm-hmm.